You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. How many of us know that you make an allegiance to people that you make your heroes? And, and what enthusiasm we have for those sports figures. Don't we go crazy for sports? Um, have you ever noticed that there are the hardcore and the faithful fans and they'll be with their team through thick and thin? It doesn't matter what's going on, whether they're winning or they're losing, they're going to be faithful my son Jake, he's a big-time ASU fan, if you didn't know. And so um, we're still trying to rebuke the demons out of, out of them, but uh, <laughs> sun devils, right? But um, he's a big-time ASU fan, and so this guy by the name of James Harden played basketball there, and James Harden was a, a, a good college athlete, but no one knew who James Harden was. And Jacob said, this guy, Dad's going to be a great pro, and, and, and you watch this. So he started following him when he was in college, and he went into the pros, and he was really a nobody. And, and now if you hear fear the beard, you know who it is. And so he, now he's an all-star, and everyone knows who James Harden is. You know, when teams start winning, and especially if they get to the championship, then everybody gets on the bandwagon and everyone wants to be a fan. My dad was notorious for that. And I think I got that from him. You see, we, we have the same thing in, in politics. You can take that off the screen, Rob. Uh, you can see the same thing in politics and and uh, in entertainment, right? Don't people follow things? I mean, if Rick Warren or, or someone says something about a book, oh, that's a great book. One of your heroes, if they say something about, or, or a movie, you know, you go watch a movie and someone says, that's a good movie. Oh, that's a good movie. Do you guys ever do anything like that? Pastor, what do you think about this? Well, I think it's, it's, I think it's pretty good. Oh, it's, it's, it's a good, it's good then. I don't think it's that good. Oh, it's not good. <laughs> and there's a reason why we behave this way. I want you to think about this. There's a reason why we act this way. And the reason is there's a universal need to worship. All of us long to worship something that is bigger than ourselves. Amen? Amen? Isn't that why we make heroes and celebrities of ordinary people? Someone asked me a question yesterday. My daughter had a, a, a baby shower, and so the guys, we were instructed to stay outside <laughs> in the heat of mammoth. And we cooked brat, bratwurst. Hey, that was good. We had brats, and uh, as we were talking... This, this guy was asking me questions, and he, he knew my hometown, and he, he asked me a question about this guy. He said, there was this guy that lived there in, in, in Lordsburg, New Mexico, and he was huge. He was real big. He was family members with this guy and blah, blah, blah. And I said, that's Joaquin Marcus. 
And the reason I know that is because there's only one Mexican besides my brother that's about 6'5 and 350. And so I knew who he was, great football player. In fact, when I was a kid, I used to, I used to say whenever we were playing basketball and stuff, because Joaquin Marquez was this great basketball player for Lordsburg, New Mexico. And he was my hero. I'm, and when I come out real little, I'm Joaquin Marquez. <laughs> because we long, we long to ha- be something bigger than ourselves. Amen? We long to worship. There's an innate wiring in us to worship someone or something. Just look around us and you'll see that this wiring for worship is so strong that you'll find people or things being worshipped that are not worthy of it. Just look at the Oscars. Look at, look at the Grammy Awards. Look at how people dress. They'll follow people that are not worthy to be praised. Are you with me? Anyone with me this morning? They are imperfect models of worship, and they are things that are fading away, but while they are a hot item, people will lift them up in praise. This is so evident. In fact, I I tell my, my, my young adults this. I say, you know what? There are seasons in life. There are seasons. Have you noticed this? There are seasons when you will be elevated, and then there are seasons when you will be dropped. There are seasons when you're a hot item. And there are seasons that they forget about you. Amen? And so as as we look at this, it's because people long to worship. People long to praise. And and that's why when when the church comes together, it's so important. Because we're choosing to worship the king. Amen? When the church comes together... We're choosing to worship the king. And some of us get just as excited worshiping the king of kings than we do watching a U of A basketball game. Some of us are that crazy. That we would just get crazy enough that we would actually worship. Someone say something to me. Every day... But especially Sunday, people choose to worship something or someone. In fact, someone all over the the world right now, people are worshiping something or someone. We're choosing to worship Jesus Christ. It could be their sports heroes. It could be your favorite actor, your favorite actress. The list goes on. But here today, in this place of worship, we delight and find wholeness and fulfillment in worshiping Jesus the Christ, the one who is the Son of Man, the friend of sinners, the anointed one, and today we're going to find that he is the coming king. And that's why this series is so important, because it answers the question of Jesus that he posted to his disciples. Jesus told his disciples, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Well, we can answer from this series that he is the anointed one. He is a friend of sinners. Amen? And today we're going to find out that he is the coming king. It was the prophet Zechariah who wrote, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, 
daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. And this prophecy was fulfilled by Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem. It was a reference to the coming king, the promised Messiah, and everyone in the crowd, they recognized this fact. It was Jesus' triumphal entry. And now we celebrate this historical event every Palm Sunday in our churches. You see, beloved, when we answer the question of Jesus, who do you say I am, this has to be part of our answer. Jesus Christ is the coming King. Jesus came before as a servant, but he's coming to reign in his second coming. Amen? He came as a lamb in his first coming to be the sacrifice for our sins, but he's coming as a lion of Judah when he comes back victorious. As um, Jeremiah prophesied, he said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he he will be called. He is the Lord, our righteous Savior. And now, it's important for us to understand that in in Jesus' day, when he came in on that donkey's colt, that the people were awaiting their Messiah. They were expecting the Christ, but they did not understand the nature of Jesus' kingdom and just how amazing his salvation would be. But we cannot lose sight, this is very important, we cannot lose sight to the fact that the day of his triumphal entry, the people welcomed him and they worshipped him. We saw that in the, in the, in the uh, great uh, uh, video there, that people were worshipping the Lord. And more importantly, he accepted their worship because Jesus is God and only God is worthy of worship. But it teaches me something else today that I think we need to grab a hold of. It teaches me that Jesus will rule as king where he is received as king. Are you with me? In other words, the ruler of the universe will not force his reign on any of us. But if we allow him to reign in our lives, he will rule as king and he will be glorified in our lives. There were many that day who knew who he was. In fact, they knew him for a long time. And there were many that day when he came into Jerusalem who were asking, who is this guy? But they all had something in common. They received him as their king on that first Palm Sunday. How does that speak to us today? It speaks to us this way. There are many here today who have not known him for a long time. And there, are, there may be some today that you have known him and walked with him for a long time. But there are some that may be here in this service that you're asking, who is this Jesus? But there comes a time in our lives, and I think it's today, 
when we have to make a choice to recognize him as king and to serve him as king. And to do that, there's three things that we have to do, okay? Number one, the first thing we have to do, we have to do what Jesus says. The Bible helps us here in Luke's gospel. And if we go to the gospel of Luke chapter 19, in verse 29, the word of God tells us this. It says, as he, he being Jesus, approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mountain of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, say, the Lord needs it. And why did Jesus say, if anyone asks you why are you untying it, why did he ask, I mean, tell his disciples that, you know, if someone asks you this, tell them the Lord needs it. Why do you think? Probably because it wasn't their cult. And if someone came to your house and said, I'm going to take this car, wouldn't you ask, why are you taking my car? Are you with me? Okay. And he says, tell them the Lord needs it. And, and those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. And as they were untying the coat, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt. And they replied, the Lord needs it. And they brought it to Jesus and they threw their cloaks on the colt and they put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. Okay, it's at verse 36. Now, have you, have you ever thought about this? Maybe you haven't, but I, I want to present something to you. Could you imagine being the two that were sent by Jesus that day? Could, could, could you imagine Jesus telling him, I want you to go into town, and I want you to go and get that colt, go get a colt, it's at this location, and if they ask you, why are you untying this colt, you tell them it's because the, the Lord needs it. It doesn't tell us who they were. It doesn't say it was Peter and Andrew. It doesn't say it was James and John. It doesn't say it was Bartholomew. It doesn't say anything about that. It doesn't tell us what they're talking about. But I begin to think that they're walking along the road and they're probably saying, you know, in today's language, dude, dude, you ask them. I mean, you, you untie the coat. I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand and I'm going to watch. And the other guy's probably saying, Charlie, no way. I'll, I'll watch, and you untie the colt. Do, do you guys ever think like this, like me? Or you guys read the Bible and just go, okay. You know, I begin to think about things like that because there had to be obedience. Brent, do me a favor, Brent. I want you to go to uh, the Circle K right now. There's a black Camaro. I want you to go and tell its owner, uh, give me the keys. <laughs> Pastor James wants to use it after church to go to Chili's. <laughs> Brent, you're not moving. 
You know, sometimes we read scripture and we think that it's all scripted. We think that these people knew the script like a drama that Tony Pat puts on. Oh, we're supposed to say this, we're supposed to say this. They didn't know what was going to happen. And it helps us in our lives. When the Lord tells us to do something, we don't know what's going to happen. When the Lord says, I want you to go and do this, when I want you to give something up. Lord, I've been... Lord, I've been doing this for 30 years. It's not scripted for us. We don't know. We don't know. When he says, go and talk to someone, go, go and talk to your neighbor and tell them that I love them. Because the only thing you've told your neighbor is pick up your trash, right? <laughs> Do you ever think this way? Or am I the only one? You know, um, just like our lives, we don't know the script. We're just living it. And, and, we're, and actually, we're writing the chapters of our life story. Three weeks ago, Bob Cannon, four weeks ago, went in to have a pacemaker put in. And they said it's going to be routine. For three weeks, he was in a rehab. Or two and a half weeks, amen? We don't know. We just live life out, beloved. Are you with me? And, 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 and as we're living life out, we don't know what's going to happen. But there's something that we can grab a hold of. If Jesus tell us, tells us to do something and we do it, it's going to bring glory to his name. Let's move on in the story. It says, uh, uh, first of all, let me confirm this. John's gospel, it helps us to understand this reality when he writes about this story. It's the same story, except, except it's from John's perspective. He says, at first, his disciples did not understand. Can you say that with me? At first, his disciples did not understand. That was weak. At first, his disciples did not understand. Better. Let's go stronger. At first, his disciples You ever been there? At first, us as disciples, we don't understand. He goes on to say, all this, all this, only after Jesus was glorified. When was Jesus glorified? When he went to the cross and he died and he, and he went to the grave for three days and he rose again. He was glorified into glory. It was only after that they spent time with Jesus for 40 days after his resurrection that they began to understand only after Jesus was glorified, glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. You see, they didn't know how things were going to turn out, but they did what Jesus told them to do. Someone tell your neighbor, let's do what Jesus tells us to do. That fifth row didn't say anything to your neighbor. I saw you. Just tell someone, let's do what Jesus tells us to do. It's not going to hurt you. Say it. Thank you. There we go. 
Hey, we're a church of participation, okay? Brent, we're still waiting for you to go get the Camaro. Brent is so nervous. Oh, Becky, I hate it when he does that. Man, this really helps me in my walk because there are some things in my life that I don't know how they're going to turn out. I've got things in my life right now that are way beyond my grasp. And can I tell you something? I don't know how they're going to turn out. But I know this. If I do what Jesus tells me to do, I know it will be good. Yeah, I'd give the Lord a hand right there too. Yeah. The Bible goes on and it says this, as he went along, this is Jesus, people spread their cloaks on the road and, and, and when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd and the disciples began joyfully to praise God with loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen and they were saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. I could imagine it's something like the streets of Phoenix erupting when the Diamondbacks won the World Series. I, 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 could, I could see it at, at Seattle right now. This year, Seattle, the, the Seahawks, they won the, the Super Bowl. And we, I know we've got at least three Seattle uh, fans. Oh, we got more now. Look at their... their. Woot, woot. Right? Yeah. And so, and so all of this excitement was going on, and, and, and they're excited not because the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, not because the Diamondbacks won the Super Bowl, but because the King of Kings was coming into the city. Now check this out, beloved. Here's these two disciples that probably went over there. They got the, the donkey coat, and they were thinking, what does the Lord need this coat for? <laughs> Why did he send us? But when they put him on the colt and they went into the, into the city, could you imagine those two, what they were saying? Hey, I got the colt. I went to the city. Not these ten yahoos. I did it. Are you with me? But they had to be obedient they had to do what Jesus told them to do before his name would be glorified and before they saw that he's faithful. Man, your gears are turning. Everything was going good until the religious people got in the picture. Amen? Have you ever noticed how excited you can be about the things of Jesus until the religious people get in the picture? Yeah. Well, just, <laughs> Jesus did this. Oh, why are you dressing the way you're dressing? Why are you looking the way you're looking? Right? The Pharisees, instead of them rejoicing, the Bible tells us that some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Don't let them glorify you. Don't let them praise you. And Jesus replied to them. He says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones, they'll cry out. 
Can I tell you that, that, that he told the religious leaders, um, I, can't, I can't tell these people to, to, um, to stop praising me because if they do, my creation will worship me. Why, beloved? Why, will his, why would the stones cry out? Because he's God. Are you with me? Can I, that, I, don't, I don't ever want to be outpraised by the stones outside. Woo! I'm hitting some of us. I love you, Lord. What? I love you, Lord. The stones praise louder than us. Let's go home. Put the game on. Yeah! Come on! That's a dumb call, ref! Church. Go home. What are we eating? Wanna watch a game? Come on! Touchdown! Are you with me? You see, beloved? Religious people worry. I don't ever want to be called religious. People of God praise. People of God exalt. Because he's worthy. Amen. Amen. You know, if, if, it, it helps me here because I should take a lesson from the two disciples who went to Jerusalem out of obedience and they brought back the donkey even when it made no sense to them. See, if Jesus calls you to repent, are you with me? Because he's a king... You should probably turn around from your ways and go back to him. He may be telling you to forgive because the Bible says we're supposed to forgive. Not when we feel like forgiving. Could you imagine Jesus? He's got the nails in his, in his, in his, uh, he's got the nails in his hands and he's got the nails in his feet saying, I, I, I just don't feel it, Lord, Father. Amen? Do you think he, he felt like forgiving? The people were, were saying, if you are the king, get off that cross. Are you... What did Jesus say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So if Jesus is calling us to forgive, he's, if he's telling you to forgive, we should probably what? Forgive. He may be telling you to help someone. But Lord, I don't even like them. Amen? You might change their lives and bring glory to Jesus. He may be asking you to give up something. Well, I'll give everything up except for chocolate. Right? 
He may be, if he asks us to give something up, it's probably what? To glorify his name. He may be leading you to take something on. To say no to something. Whatever it is, you'll be amazed how your act of obedience is going to bring glory to God. The act of obedience of these two disciples impacted Jerusalem. Point number, I'm really on point number two. Point number two. To recognize him as king and to serve him as king, we need to do, number two, feel what Jesus feels. Not only do we want to do what he wants us to do, but we need to feel what he feels. If we fast forward in the story, we can see the heart of God. I think it helps us to do what Jesus says when we know how he feels. The Bible says as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, now, now think about it, he's weeping now. If you, even you, had, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. In other words, he's coming in, I'll bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And he's talking about 70 A.D., 70 years later, that the Romans would destroy what? Very good, Bible students. Very good. Everyone is praising. Everyone is excited. Everyone's dancing. And Jesus is on his donkey's coat. He's seeing everyone praising. And as he's going in, he begins to feel and he begins to cry. And the, the word that he used for wept right there is the same word that was used of Mary when her brother Lazarus was in the tomb. She was wailing. She was, oh, have you ever wailed when you're hurting so bad? In your soul it hurts. And Jesus is looking at Jerusalem, and he's crying, and he's wailing because he feels a love, not only for the city, but more importantly, for her people. He's saying 70 years from now, this whole city, this whole temple, everything that you guys are exalting is going to be in shambles. Beloved, everything that we esteem highly in this world can fall in a week. I've learned that it's possible to see the city of old Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. And it's a pretty awesome sight. In fact, if you go on the hillside, there's a tiny chapel with a tear-shaped dome that commemorates this moment when Jesus wept over Jerusalem. And it's important to note that the word that is translated wept in our Bibles signifies more than just tears. I think it's so important for us to understand. You know, we read the Bible and we see Jesus wept, but I don't think that we grasp that the Savior of mankind 
wailed and cried for people. People were praising him that day. And a week later, they were going to be saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus felt something. His heart was stirred for the city. And I think that it's important for us to understand that he wails because he cares for us. You may, you may have gone through a tragedy because we live in a cruel world. I, I know people that have been through some things that, that, that there's no words that I can speak to them that will ever, ever... I can't, I can't find words that will change anything, but I can say this, we can trust in Jesus because he's felt your pain. Can I tell you that this right here tells me that we should, we should open up our hearts to feel the same feelings that Jesus felt. Amen? If you want to make him king, if you want to serve him as king, you've got to feel what he feels. We should feel compassion for those who are searching, and they might not even know they're searching. How many of us have compassion for our neighbors? You know, we might not ride on a donkey's colt into, um, into Jerusalem, but I'll tell you what, every day I have to drive down to San Manuel, and I go up McNabb, and then I got to go down 6, and I got to turn on, on, to, on Giffen and go down and then turn on 5th, and oh boy, I'm giving everybody where I live, <laughs> and go 5 or 6 houses, and I turn right and go into my house. But I never looked at it like, like this. You know, Jesus, as he looked into Jerusalem, he, everyone else was dancing. They were singing, yay, yay. And some of them didn't even know what they were doing. You've, you've done this before. Everyone gets excited. What are you excited about? Oh. What, are we, what are we doing? You ever done that? Huh? Who, who are we cheering for? Yay, yay. Oh, I don't even like that team. You ever done that? You know, people want to be in the inn. Unless you go to In-N-Out Burger, you want in and out Okay. So, so everyone's excited, but Jesus is wailing. Do we ever drive into our block? And do we ever think, you know what, Mr. Jones, Mr. Ibarra, Mrs. Jimenez, Mrs. Choi? They need Jesus. Do we ever feel what Jesus feels? Do we ever cry? Do we ever, you know, you, you, you go into Saddlebrook, there's that big, big hill going down. You can oversee. Do you ever drive in and say, wow, Father, I want to feel what you feel. Do you ever go into Vistoso? Do you ever go to the ranch? And, and, and you're driving into the ranch. And you know what I'm thinking when I'm driving into the ranch? Yay! I'm going to golf. <laughs> Honest. But do I ever think, Lord, let me, let me feel what you feel. They need Jesus. 
The last point, I'm going to make it quick. To recognize him as king and to serve him as king, we need to tell people who Jesus is. Anyone agree with that? How many of us have told people about Jesus this week? Raise your hand. If you told someone about Jesus this week, just, I'm not putting you on a spot, but I just want to see. So we're at this, we're at this uh, baby shower yesterday, and I'm sitting with a bunch of believers, but there's one guy that I know he's not a believer. And so I'm looking for that opportunity for them to ask me, to share it, just tell me a little bit, Pastor, about your testimony. And I said it so loud that he could hear. It wasn't for them. It was for him. We need to tell people about Jesus. The Bible tells us when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. And they asked, who is this? And the crowds, they answered, and they said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Can I tell you that the, the word stirred right there, the whole city was stirred, is the Greek word sais? Actually, it's, this Greek, it's a Greek word seal. S-E-I-O. It's where we get the word seismic. What is seismic? It has to do with an earthquake. An earthquake of seismic proportion. Wow. When Jesus comes into your life, he stirs your heart with, with a proportion of an earthquake. And you're so excited that it trembles. Did you guys see this guy, the U of A uh, basketball team, and he, he'd shoot his free throw and he'd go, shimmy, shimmy, cocoa pop, shimmy, shimmy, cocoa That's the truth. We should be shimmying for Jesus. Let's pray. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.